0: Welcome back to the, another week of the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty, I would say, low-key week this week. Nothing insane happened on the men's side of the ball, but the women's side, they had the A&A Inspiration, which, of course, is their major championship. And we had a thriller down the stretch there, which I'm sure we'll get into. Dante, we're going to kind of recap our weekend rounds. The roller coasters uh, were good enough to be at any Six Flags. You and I uh, were up and down and back up again and, and, and everywhere in between. So, uh, yeah, man, it, w- it was a good weekend. We had some really good weather here, which was a pretty good blessing down in the Ocean City, Maryland area. And, uh, you know, h- how, was your, how was your weekend in New Jersey?
1: I'll tell you this, man. The, I used to be a summer guy. Love summer. Like, summer is, to the T, my favorite season. F that. Scratch that shit, especially in this area with the humidity and all that. That's out the window. Best weather is hands down what we're running into right now it's that middle September into middle to end of September to like early middle October where it's, I don't know, 60, 65 in the morning. And then it gets up to like 75. So it's maybe pants or a pullover in the morning. And after three holes, it's off and it's like, you're good to go. But it, it was good. Uh, you know, played our our weekly Sunday match game or whatever with our group of guys And I'll tell you why, it was a roller coaster from the start. I started out, had a great drive, had a great second shot into the par five, just short of the green, landed in the bunker. I said, oh, no biggie. I'm pretty confident with my bunker shots and said, this could be either an easy birdie or we can just get up and down for par and call it a day on Mm. moving on to the next hole and have a great start. That wasn't the case because the sand was packed down. It was wet. It was that mushy mud looking sand. And I'll tell you what, it was hard as a rock. Ball came flying out, ended up bogey. It's like, all right, well, I got a bad break. And I proceeded to the next hole and did not get through the second because it was the first shot because it was a par three, landed in a bunker again. I said, all right, well, I know what the bunkers are doing. Let's just slam it down into the. into the sand just so I can get underneath the ball or, you know, splash it out of there. Nope. Bounced right off of the hard dirt again.
0: Dude. And any, any golfer who plays enough golf knows, like that is the most frustrating thing, especially when you like dig your feet in a little bit, squash it in a little, you know, and feel like you got some sand under your feet and then you throw the club down at it and it just bounces just like hard rock just bounces. That's one of the most frustrating things, especially in a green side bunker. Yeah. And then,
1: Oh, especially and then you scull it over, and then now you're freaking out. You're like, "All right, well now I need to get it close." And let's listen. I'm no pro here, so getting those up and down just to try and either get par or bogey is is quite the challenge. So I ended up with double. Now plus three through two, and I'm pissed. But I was trying to keep my cool because I'm just realizing it's just a game, and here we go. But I'll tell you what that that front nine, I just couldn't get anything going to try and get, you know, back to you know, my normal sc- scoring average. And it was just all bogeys. And I ended up squeezing out two birdies and I'm sitting here at 42. And I was like, yeah, all right, well, I guess it's just not my day. I was like, it's not my week. It, just try and enjoy the day because the weather was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't complain one bit. And next thing I know, I shoot one over on the back. No, I shoot even. I shoot even on the back. So I go 42-36 for a 78, and I think I got five. It was a net game, so 78, 73, net 73. I came in second place and walked out with cash, and two of my birdies held up for skids. So I guess you couldn't complain, but the past two weeks, that's had that's how my rounds have been going. It's level par, bogey, golf. <laughs> on one front. It's literally par on the front nine, bogey golf on the I back I don't know nine. what
0: it is and I think it boils down to something mentally wired wrong bef- between the both of us because we've we've had the discussions especially this past weekend how we've both seen the same thing I um I, I played at uh, Glen Glenn Riddle today I played at the man of war course the link style course on the front yep. side um had it rolling on the front nine I was four under going into uh to number nine the par the par three number nine Really long par three, kind of windy today. So it played like into the wind 230. Uh, with the new sticks in a bag, I took the hybrid out, put the three iron in with the new sticks. Uh, okay. Probably, you know, I hit it a, I hit it a bunch today, and I'll get into this as well. But I love this three iron already. Awesome club, right? So I hit I hit one, just kind of come up on it just a little bit, leave it a little short. And I take a pitching wedge with me because the green at number nine. Is just about fifty yards long. Just about it's a really long, narrow green. So I wanted to bump and run one into, you know, into the slope up the hill towards the towards the pin. Get something in putting range and make par. I hit what I thought was a really good chip shot. It just carried just too far, and instead of hitting into the face of the hill, hit the top shelf and just took off like a rocket behind the green. So from there, I got a horrible eye, chubbed the chip short chipped up, missed the putt, all of a sudden, one, two over, three short, four up, five, six. I went from trying to make a nice, easy par to making six. And I'm looking around like, the fuck just ha-? like what just happened? I-, I was rolling. I was steamrolling around. And then all of a sudden you go from four over or four under to one under in the matter of a, a chip here, a chip there. And that's what pissed me off because the rest of the day I didn't play all too bad. Uh, my short game was just garbage and it cost Dude. me a lot of strokes. I, I I went 30, I went 32 40. <laughs> you want to talk about a roller coaster?
1: I know. And it, it's crazy how rounds can happen like that, or how quickly you can be one under or even or maybe a couple over. And you were sitting there thinking, wow, I really have a great round. And then one or two, three holes later, you're just flat out, like, plus five, and you're sitting there, how did that, literally, how did that just happen, but to kind of go back on that, when, now that thinking about it, and us being just a common man golfer, and just kind of everybody, like, the te- the text messaging, we were going back and forth, I mean, you just have to, as, uh, let's, let's face it, I was pissed during those certain times in the round, and trying to, you know, mentally just try and get back into a groove of things, and just trying to, accept that challenge all right well we have a hole we got to dig out of mm-hmm. but you just when you text it back and forth how we were earlier we we're just cracking up about how how relatable a lot of this stuff is and how similar our games are even though you know our handicaps are a little spaced out from you being a plus and me just being a single digit but how we come into these situations and we were going through the same thing it's you have this great front nine for to what to your game and the next thing you know you blow up and I just think that's it's hilarious how you how that happens and I'll tell you what a lot of the conversations I have with my friends about our rounds are always about the bad shots
0: yeah it's it's so funny how we focus on that too right because like you make this like revelation of okay I had this great start and then I just kind of like lost the engine somewhere along the round or or vice versa. I had this horrible start, couldn't get things going. And then you you, you either make the turn and get a snack or something. I don't know what it is, if it's just a reset, remind, but the mind knows when you hit 10, it's a whole different ball game, especially if you've been struggling. And I don't know why this game always seems to just go in the, the sets of nines, but it just, that's the way it works. Plain and simple.
1: Yeah. I, and that's, I started doing that earlier too, is I kind of read somewhere about how Tiger Woods, when you say he has a blow up hole and it, you draw that imaginary line and then you, you, once you walk over it, that hole is forgotten. I've started taking my game to where I split the nines as it's two separate nines, mm-hmm. not 18. So if I have a bad front, it's like, okay, new nine. I always say that too. And I have a bad front. It's new nine. Or if I have a good front, like,
0: all right, new nine,
1: let's start over and let's keep it going. I feel like that phrase
0: right there, new nine, needs to be on hats, (laughs) T-shirts. You just might have had the new – you might have coined our new merchandise line, new nine. nine. Because the amount of times either I myself have said that in competitive play or – I've just heard someone else in just recreational play because they just shot 52 on the fat, on the front nine and say, all I'm right, going to get a hot dog at the turn. new nine. And like, that's just the way it goes. So it's like, it's just crazy, man. I feel like everyone who plays golf, whether they're insanely competitive or just out there with buddies have heard that term said throughout the course of their day, new nine.
1: Yep. And it's great. Cause we have funny story. We have a guy that we play with and, he is phil mickelson's doppelganger to the t like he'll dress like him too and when i first saw him i had to do a double take but he's a righty but we uh we call him bombs and shanks because he kind of has like a real inside takeaway so if he comes in open he'll shank it here and there
0: mm-hmm.
1: or he'll bomb the, like the dude smashes the ball call him like bombs and shanks so <laughs> he has the uh like the saying the uh it's the old good 36-46 round because I've seen him shoot 36 on the front. And I'm like, oh, great front. And he goes, yeah, well, 46 is in the back pocket. And he went out and shot 46 <laughs> in the, on the second nine. But it's just – a it, that's always fun. It's always fun playing with him. And, I mean, you can't – the new nine aspect has really helped my – I mean, let's face it, like, yes, I get – we have some mental breakdowns and some mm-hmm. – and some spazzes out on the course. I'll admit it. Uh, I'm human and working on that and just trying to realize it is just a game and accept the challenge for what it is. But I've come for a while now to separate the nines and it's been helping greatly on a scoring aspect.
0: Yeah. And I think at the end of the day too, and, and maybe this is where I'm struggling in my next, I guess, endeavor my next battle with this game is all right so i've gotten to this point a lot and i want your opinion on this and i wish we had isaiah on because he's been able to seem to break this threshold a lot more than myself i get to that like three or four under like mark in my round and i for the life of me cannot push it past that like that's my you know what i'm saying like i'll get to four under in a round, and then whether it seems to i just make a colossal f up and it's just like all right, now I'm back at even or one under instead of three or four under. It just seems to be like, and I, I know like what it's going to boil down to. And 90% of people are just going to be like, oh, you're just a mental head case when you get to four under. But like, I want to know, what do you think might be the issue of like, even whether it's for me at four under or for you at like 72, 73, something like that, you know, like what, what does it take to break that threshold? do you think because like or why why are we getting so hung up on that like that number barrier
1: so there's a couple things one overall on not just our standpoint of things or like our games I think overall on a golfer's it's it's like an ego thing in a way I think it's it's like all right well I'm here and I gotta (laughs) I gotta like prove that I can do it even though like you know you're capable of shooting the scores that you you Mm -hmm. do. I think there's this subconscious egotistical, you know, I gotta, I gotta prove to my, the guys that I play with that, you know, I can do even though they've seen you do it and clearly know that you can. But another thing I honestly think is my question to you. Do you add up your score after the first nine? Or say you're coming up 13 and you're like that three four under. Do you look at it and then you say, "Oh wow, I got five holes left. All I need to do is get a couple birdies here and there, and I'm good." And I break that. Break that. Is that something that you do when you're out on the course
0: when I mean, you come
1: across those scenarios?
0: So I'm just being competitive as I have been for so long, and just like knowing where my score is at. I know in my head. There's never Mm -hmm. a point, especially when I get to like, I'm like, Oh, that was my fourth birdie of the front nine. Like I know where I'm at. I'm not, I I try as hard as I, as as hard as people try to say to me, well, just don't keep score. Like I'm not wired that way. That's just not how I work. And it's tough for me. I, I can never say I've gone through a full 18 and been like, Oh, I have no clue where I'm at. I always have a good sense of where I'm at, even if it's not exact. I always know, especially when I'm on fire like that and like four under through nine, I know hey, I'm at a great spot here.
1: Yeah, because I was going to say, if you do that, like what I asked you is that's fine keeping score and kind of knowing where you're at. But if you're one that writes it down, literally just, all right, I wrote down the nine score and I'm not going to add it up and I'm just going to go to 10 and write it down and just kind of just go from there. And then at the end see like where you're at. And I know for like the better players, they do know where they're at
0: mm-hmm.
1: in their head, because I've done it I've done it before when you go in like these lower rounds because there isn't that many big blow up holes or misses. So you, you're like, Well, all right, I parted the first nine, bogey ten, and then it's like part eleven, twelve, thirteen, birdie fourteen. You know, you can add it up real quick right there. You're like, oh shot even or whatever. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you, you know exactly where you're at, but yeah, I the competitiveness, I I know you're competitive. I've seen it. Um, Sometimes too
0: much for my own good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I guess I would suggest, I know you said it, but I, just, you know where you're at, but trying to just know, know where you're at, but know, try and take away – what you need to do to get where you want to be.
0: I think you're spot on there too. And I think another thing I've realized is just like, all right, not, and you and I talked about this, even when we played in the classic, like, cause I didn't approach the par fives that smartly when we were there. And that's what I've been doing lately is going like driver. And what I was saying, I hit this three iron a lot today, this Mm -hmm. three iron, I put on a rope. And if I just kind of like half swing at it, I hit it like a perfect 200 yards. Yeah. So today, that's what I did. I birdied three out of the four par fives doing that exact and, game plan. And I think people
1: forget to realize that you and I, if we're going into amateur events in our local areas, there are some great players. But mm-hmm. if it's like a tough day or you're playing on a tough course, you're not seeing guys go 65, 67, where Mm-mm. eagles really need to be made. I mean, you take take the par fives, Make it a three shot hole, go for berg. Or par, like most people are winning off of like 72s 71s,
0: seventy-threes. And you might see it, I've skate it into yet. the sixties. But even if you even if you do skate into the sixties, all right, par seventy two, there's four mm-hmm. par fives out there. You go three under on all the par fives. There's three. There's all yeah. you're already three, yeah. you know. So then and you're I, at, you're at sixty, you're at sixty-nine right there. And then exactly. Play the par. I always say this, play the par threes if they're over 180 yards. Play them at even par. You're making up ground on the field.
1: Yeah, and, then, and,
0: I, and then par fours, just just make, make a couple capitalized moves throughout the rest of the par fours that you know you can strike on. And, and then, boom, you're, if you play smart golf. I've looked at it this way. A lot of the times when I've had my blowups before, after I've gotten on fire, it's just because of greedy freaking golf. Like, really yeah. greedy golf.
1: And, and I was just going to say – like you're saying, the par threes. If you're playing par threes that are 180, 190 yards, most people try and flag hunt. You're not getting the ball to stop like on a dime from there. Just go middle of the green, two putt, and get the hell out of there. And then par fives, if just play for position. I mean, you can you can grind like like you said. If you play if you play for birdie on all the par fives that's a par 72. That's four under right there. Mm-hmm. That's big if you're playing in a local probably local AM, that'll probably get you there. And if anybody wants to argue with me, go ahead, but you're not too many, you're not going to see too many Eagles on, I would say on these majority of these local lower AM stuff that you do within your club. Now, if you're looking at like the USA and stuff like that, then yeah, these guys are, they have a future and they're most likely going pro. But if you're just like, you know, a solid scratch golfer that likes to compete and you can compete in like your local stuff, that's not too many guys, you know, birdies would, would be just fine
0: oh 100 percent. and it's it's like especially too if you're playing in if you're playing in your local club events not even like your state events or different am events if you're playing local club events most likely like for example my club championship there was a couple guys like sniffing around even par. nobody was under par mm-hmm. um so i mean now granted it played really hot and, and a tough course that day but still especially in your club championships no not not more than a handful of guys are even going to sniff even par so i don't know i, I think at the end of the I, day yeah. i still believe it just goes down to course management 100%. like as much as i want to think like oh i'm doing this something that's something wrong or being superstitious here or there no i think it just goes down to course management
1: or the problem where say you bogey a hole that's should have been an easy par or possibly a birdie yeah and you screw that up and then you get greedy on the next hole and that really screws you up it says you know what just try. it's kind of take a step back and just get yourself back on track try and make par and then try and get momentum there and then if you get to a hole where you know you got yourself in a position where the pin sets up for it too, where you can attack at it Mm -hmm. then attack at it and i think a lot of people they just i i get myself in trouble too i attack the pins when you when you're going to realize well all right. Let's say we have a 180 yard shot into the into the green, and the, and we're scoping the flag, and the flag's 180 yards, but it's a back, t- it's a tucked back right pin. Well, do I want to play right at it 180? Well, what if I, what if I, you know, clip it and nuke it, and I go <laughs> like 183, and it's like three yards off the green? You know what I mean? Like like where's like obviously it's where's your great where's your best miss that's the name that's the name of the game you want to find where is it the best miss so if the pins it's tucked right back 180 and it's a pretty wide flat green why don't you go 170 and put it in the middle of the green middle back and then just try and all right well if i can get myself inside you know 15 feet i got a shot
0: and if not i tap in for and move that along i've also been really really surprising i guess to myself of how easy and i guess it's just because i'm finally starting to roll the putter well too so this might just <laughs> be becoming because i'm finally starting to roll the putter well but 15 feet doesn't seem all that bad anymore because i i i just i have the confidence and it's because i've been putting a lot of time in the putter side of things as well but like i have the confidence to not go after those pins now because i'm like all right you know I can be outside of five feet and make a putt. Like, I I can be in that 15-foot range and still have a good look at birdie. And it's something that just kind of, I feel like, tacks on to what you were just saying. You don't always have to go and stuff the shot to make birdie. You can make 10, 15-footers pretty easily, sometimes even 20-footers, if they're good looks at not crazy undulated courses. That, like, if you're just center, middle of the green, you're never really going to have a crazy long putt unless the greens are just insanely massive, but like playing for the center of the greens is nine times out of 10, really going to put you in a great spot to make birdie and worst case tap in for par.
1: Yeah. And even if you want to look at it on a higher handicap side, you'll probably see those higher, those higher handicappers don't attack because most listen, probably 95% of golfers, they take out the, the scope scope the flag and they get a number and they play to that number yeah they don't play like all right well where should i land it or if i go long what kind of trouble am i gonna get if a higher handicapper plays just gets the middle of the green like get one of those watches where it gives you the back front and middle and just play to the middle every single time those watches are
0: key the most underrated valuable things that you'll you'll need to play really really good golf that's all i use that's all I use. I don't
1: – I mean, I scope it here and there, but maybe once or twice out of the round. I just, use the, I just use the watch with the three numbers, and I just go off of that. And then I kind of look at the pin and say, all right, well, if it's a tucked back left pin, um, all right, I know, that, know the green complex. All right, I'm going to go for the middle number, and then I play yeah. the middle number. Like, even a higher handicapper, I guarantee you, you will see your scores drop if you just play to the middle of the green every single time. Because they're probably going to put a good putt on it, too. And you're not going to put yourself into a bad chip because most of the times the higher handicappers, their scores get up because they struggle around the greens. Uh So if you can eliminate, especially chipping, so if you can eliminate your chipping, get it on the green, you can probably put a good stroke on it and get yourself up there. So if you're one that shoots in the high 80s high, you know, low nineties, you're probably throwing some doubles in there. You're going to make those doubles. If you put it on the middle of the green, God forbid use three putt. That's a five on a, on a part four.
0: You're yeah. And you off. put, you put nine of those from doubles to bogeys. You're talking nine strokes. You're talking 85 to yep. or mid 95 to 80, 86 wanna, or something like that, or, you know, whatever.
1: If you want to break 90, all you got to do is shoot 17 bogeys in one part and you 89.
0: And God forbid you you string a couple pars together, then you're really yeah. cruising. Yep. So no, that's awesome, man. And one thing I just wanted to say too, this the that my irons, I just want to touch on these because I'm, oh, I'm yeah. still like a kid in a candy store, I, dude. Yeah,
1: dude. I, that's what I asked you. I was like, how are the irons today? Did you play today? And you're they just like, oh.
0: are incredible. Um, I like I said, first time I've ever been fit for irons. Um, and oh my God, what a difference! I in never first had a time ball using pings, right? First time ever having pings in my hand um, for more than you know, just like a test session. But yeah, uh, first full round with pings. Uh, shout out to Ping. I might have to be on the bandwagon of best iron in golf. I'm not quite ready to make that distinction yet, but boy, it's pretty easy for me to say so. I never I'm had a it, ball. Yeah. I never had a ball go where I didn't want it to today, even on like semi bad swings. For a blade iron, they're kind of forgiving. It's absurd to even like put that in the conversation, but the Ping Blueprint irons are semi-forgiving for being a hundred percent muscle back forged iron. They're awesome. I love them. I I just absolutely on, love them. I'm on the Ping band
1: bandwagon because I have two sets of Pings. I have a more forgiving set. I have the I two tens that I got fitted for a while back, and then I wanted to you know ego comes in. I was like, oh, you know what? Let me let me try the I blades, which it's, it's It looks like a blade, but it kind of fits the realm of like a Titleist AP2. So mm-hmm. it's kind of that cavity back uh, style, like player's iron. And dude, I'm telling you, I put them in the hands. And I, got, I literally got them built the same way as the 210s. I hit them way better now. And I'll tell you what, this is the first time I've ever played with Pings too. And I'm on the Ping bandwagon. So shout out to Ping. i i really like – and most of their irons, besides yours, majority of their irons were always casted irons. But mm-hmm. these things are – I love them, man. I, I don't think I'll ever buy another set of irons for a long time. I mean, that's probably a lie. I'll probably buy something in the next couple of years. But
0: I, you'll, be, you'll be laced up yeah. in a new set of irons in about two to three years. I, I can guarantee you that. Probably. But in my mindset, I'm trying
1: because of all the – money i've just dumped in the (laughs) irons and clubs and shafts It's i think i finally found the set i'm very happy with i'm hoping i'm hoping uh we can go back into this in a few episodes or a couple years down the down the line where hey dante you were wrong i'm hoping i don't have to change too often
0: hey i got my fingers crossed for you but if you do change i'm not I'm not just going to go out on a limb here. I think this is pretty concrete evidence. I think you're going to stick with pings no matter what you get. That's new or uh, new and improved. I think you're going to stick in the ping line. I'm pumped to be uh, in the, you know, quote unquote ping family. Now um, you'll never get me in a ping driver. I just hate the looks, the sounds, the feels of all ping drivers. Yeah. So if ping could step up their game there, um, they'd have me a full bag maybe, but uh Man, I tell you what, these ping irons are next level.
1: Yeah, the irons are sick. I'd love to see if I can get the eye blades, a, another set of them, but I think they're off the market. So I think you have to go through the manufacturer if they still have them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. would love to get myself on a second set, but have like a. I this is this is the reason why. I want to have a set where – so I'm not constantly going in and out of grips – get those nice corded grips for those two weeks in August where they're just absolutely brutal. And my hands are so sweaty to where I can have just a firmer grip that kind of like sucks in the moisture.
0: Hey, When you got to do what you got to do, sometimes you need that backup set. So exactly (laughs) a hundred percent, man. Now it's one of those things too, just the last touch on those irons. We had a a follower ask me just in the DMs, Brian Frazier. He was asking us, you know, Hey, I listened to your fitting podcast. It was awesome. You guys had a ton of useful information in there, but he's like, if I expect to go through the process, this is the one thing we didn't touch on. What should you expect your budget to be? And I told him, well, there's three different ways you can really go about it. Um, You know, I originally two years ago went and got fit for just the driver and a three wood. It's definitely things you can do. You don't have to go get fit for a full bag. If you're not ready to buy a full bag, you can really specialize what you want to go get fit for. I told him, I said, you know, I was expecting to go in and get new irons. So right there off the bat in my head, worst case scenario, I was thinking $1,500. Because for a full set of custom iron built, you know, fresh off the, you know, fresh heads, new shafts, new grips, I was thinking $1,500 because I was trading in some clubs and things like that as well. Uh, But I want your opinion. What was your, like when you went and got fit for irons, what was your expectations going in there? How much money did you think you were going to drop?
1: About two grand. Um, But to go off of that, and I've I've done all types of research on it and even different stuff. And like second like second swing, you know, you can trade in stuff and utilize mm-hmm. that credit to purchase that. So there are ways to kind of lessen the blow of your credit card. But on average, if you're going to get brand new, everything from head to toe driver, wood hybrid irons wedges and putter expect to spend around $5,000 Because you're still, I mean, you're getting everything. This is brand new. You're getting everything brand new. So it's, you're getting, so if you go and see a set of irons that are 1200 off the rack, right? You're getting that, you're spending that money for that head. So I think people don't realize that you're just buying, when you get fitted, they're building the club to your specs and to your swing, but you're buying, you're upcharging the shafts. You're up, Mm -hmm. you're getting grips. So you're paying for that. You're paying for the build. So it's still the $1,200 set of irons that you were to get off the rack. You're just getting shafts that are now, you know, statistically that are fit and cut to your, to your length and to your spec into that, into that club head, into that model. And then you get a grip to whatever you like. So you got to pay for that. So you're going to be throwing up some money. So be prepared to throw up. So say, I mean, save some money. And it's good. It might take a couple of years because I did it this way. I did. It's the. Um, it's the uh, dollar week challenge or whatever. Weekly dollar challenge, whatever. So the challenge is this: each week, there's 52 weeks in the year. You put the designated amount per week, it, or so. If it's a, let's just put it this way. Per that week, that's the amount you're putting in. So week one, you put a dollar stashed away. Week two, you put $2 stashed away. Week three, you put three. When you get up to the 52 week, you put $52 in. You get what I'm kind of going? I'm at? reading you. I'm reading yeah. you. So each each week, that number is the amount you put in and stash away. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, it comes out to near $1,500. So you do that for a year to two. You're gonna, you're gonna have about three thousand dollars there. And when I got fitted, I, I've had drivers fitted, I've had woods fitted, I've had hybrids fitted, and irons. I broke it up. Hmm. I, 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 you know, I was like, let me spend a couple hundred here for the driver, and then, you know, say like a couple months later, I went back and kind of gathered some money even more. And then I, I got maybe the woods and the hybrid and then I got the irons or I got the irons first and then kind of worked your way up. That's how you're going to do it. Expect to spend the money. You're yep. investing in yourself. You're investing in your game. If you're going to be, if you're legit about playing this game and you're going to play this game more uh, on a regular basis and you're going to be pretty mad, why not invest the money on your on your equipment for yourself? It's only going to better you. And that's what I have to say to anybody thinking about getting fit and they question, man, it's so expensive. But, dude, think of it as a long-term investment. Irons can last up to, like, 10 years plus.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, Isaiah's playing with – what did he say? He's playing with pings, I think. He, are, he, he said he got, was playing some Cleveland or Cleveland uh, that were, like, at least eight years old. And he's playing some of the best golf of his life right now. He, he's exactly. back in the so, winner's circle. So, I mean – shoot if As there's a irons, if that's irons not a testimony forever. to how long la- irons can last yeah irons last
1: forever and if you really like the club head, and you know those can last for years if you if you're still seeing the numbers that you like to see or if you're not maybe get it then you can and but you like the club head, mm-hmm. and you like those specific irons that you're playing with you can always go get a law fly check down the road every couple months or and then even opt to get new shafts and that will be less cost costly on you if you were to go get a whole new set of fitted irons. So that's something to consider too. You can always swap shafts if if you're not seeing the flight or if the ball's hooking too much or whatnot. You can always go back and get go through the fitting process just to see you know what, I like this. So you're saying that you're playing the ping blueprints and it's mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 years down the road and now you're starting to see number, let's go five years. now You're kind of seeing numbers and a little weird from what you've seen before in the past couple of years, let me go get this checked out. Are, are my lofts correct? Are, are, my, are, my, are the lie angles like bent up? Cause sometimes after hitting off of mats, they, they do shape. Mm-hmm. So you may have to get those readjusted. Well, maybe that shaft that you have that you got fitted now is not the shaft that's meant for you five years from now. So you may have to go get a new shaft, but at the end of the day, an investment on yourself. Expect to throw down some money, save up for it. Trust me, it will be worth it in the end.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it was one of those things too, where I knew, um, well, I shouldn't say I knew because I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I thought I had a pretty good driver in the bag. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm walking out of there with a brand new TaylorMade Sim driver too. So it was one of those things where I had some cushion in there. I knew kind of the I, the same way you were going in with about two grand. I was going in with about two grand. Um, but thought I was going to walk out of there with a little bit cheaper sit with the, uh, with the ping irons, but ended up buying the SIM driver. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is because at the end of the day um, I hit every fairway. today. I miss a fairway. Um, I missed two fairways all weekend long. I missed two out at lighthouse sound in the beginning of the day or beginning of the week weekend. But uh, it's one of those things where when you truly find the right setup, you don't have to work as hard. You still got to put a good swing on the ball, obviously, But it makes it a little more effortless, I would say, in just hitting the ball where you want it to go. Because all the clubs are set up perfectly to help you optimize your swing path, your swing speed, and put the ball in the right direction. So,
1: And going back to our last conversation about, you know, you find the right shaft that narrows down your dispersion from your miss hits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay, if your right miss and your left miss aren't as, crazy off as if you were to hit one dead center you know generally where the ball is going to go so now you're going to have the confidence to put a good swing on it and when you put a good swing on it you're probably going to have good contact if you have good contact the ball is most likely going to go where you want it to go Mm -hmm. so i mean at the end of the day i mean you're you're narrowing down your dispersion and you're just helping yourself obviously again like you said you have to put the right swing on it i mean it's still Still the guy holding the club making the swing. I mean, the club's <laughs> not going to do all the work, but they'll definitely give you the confidence to hit the better shots, knowing where your ball is going to go. When you don't have when you don't know where the ball is going to go when you're when you're addressed at it and you're about to make a swing, that is just a recipe for disaster.
0: 100 percent so kind of like stemming off of that too it was something we posted on our instagram at enjoy the walk pod on instagram and twitter guys if you don't follow us go give us a follow uh we posted it on our instagram this weekend it was uh the question that i had asked kind of the general public and i got some interesting takes and i want to hear your take if you've ever heard of it as well uh back in 2015 when when i was on the marywood golf team we took a trip out to the san diego area uh met a golf coach by the name of mike Weidra. uh when we were out there mike Weidra coached the uh the san diego state golf team out there for a very long time um but one thing he was adamant on he said this is what all the pros are doing this is how you kind of control your ball especially on a par three if you want the extra if you got it if you're needing to carry you know that extra five yards but you just don't want to completely club up he said seam the ball he said seam the ball so i said well you know we all asked well what the hell does that mean now i know a couple ball companies are, you know, kind of saying, well, we're seamless now. We don't have seams in a golf ball, but I guess back in the day, and even some like kind of lower brand manufacturing now still has seams in the golf ball where the top half and the bottom half of the ball are molded together. Just manufacturing process. If you hit the ball right on center to that seam, if you line the seam up kind of like pointing towards your target, you're supposed to get about an extra five yards out of it. Now, if you flip it to where it's going about perpendicular, like you're hitting perpendicular into the seam and the seam's straight up and down facing away from you, then it's going to go a little five yards shorter because you're hitting the softest spot of the ball. So I want to hear your like kind of impact on this. Like what it's like a sweet spot for the golf ball. It's well, it's like, it's like the hardest spot of the ball. So it's going to go farther. Cause you know, when they talk about like these tour distance balls and these balls that are always, you know. Supposed to fly farther. All it is is it's a tougher ball. It's a harder ball than the softer balls. The softer balls, the more softer they are, they the farther the 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 less they travel in the air. But the harder balls, I got some. I have some.
1: I have some older golf balls lying around. Let me see if I can get one. Give it a check. Know what the hell you're talking about? Yeah.
0: All right. So you took a second or two to grab some golf balls, see if you could find them. I found. I got two in my hand here, and they're actually by the same manufacturer but uh i want to hear what if you think you found it because i know what i'm looking for you don't really know what you're looking for but you know you you grabbed some pro v's maybe some older ones yeah um, the gold box the gold box and do you think you can find a seam on that older pro v1 uh
1: no
0: you're right, like, because Pro V1s, the modern Pro V1s, even like older boxes, they are not seamed. They're seamless golf balls. Now, okay. I've got two golf balls in my hand here, both of them. One's a tour model, and one's an amateur model of a golf ball. I want you to guess what brand you think I have in my hand here. And I, I think Calloway. the listeners – No, they're not Callaway golf balls. I'll give you Taylor one more made. shot. They're tailor-made. Yes sir, I got two TaylorMade golf balls here. I got a TaylorMade TP5 and I got a TaylorMade Project A. This new Project A golf ball that they said for amateurs, built by amateurs, for amateurs. I'm looking at it here and it's it's crazy how Mike Weijer explained this to us, but it's so spot on. 99% of the time, the the kind of the secondary logo, so the brand name of the ball will be printed right along that seam line. Why do they do that? Because so many people line up their putts on that, you know, that secondary ball line. Right. So like for the pro V one, it's on that like center line with the two arrows, but why do you line it up there? Well, because that's where the ball seems. So if you line it up there perfectly, you're actually, your putts are going to start a little bit better line because that's the perfect center of the golf ball. That's where it's welded. That's where it's put together. So if people want to grab a tailor-made TP five, or a TaylorMade TP5X because they're both the same kind of construction. Or a tailor-made Project A, the the amateur golf ball. You can see it right on the. Uh, now this is horrible podcast procedure, but I'm I'm kind of holding it up here in the uh, in the in the YouTube. So go check that out. So you see you have the tailor-made here, right? You have the TaylorMade big logo, right? And then you okay. turn it around, and there's your Project A. So you see where there's that extra little gap in between the dimples, where the dimple pattern kind of takes itself off for like a second or two It on, just, me... there's, a, there's a bigger ga- i'll post a video of this on our instagram and put, Twitter put it up the sky sc- i had to blow up my screen so um we'll, we'll show everybody and then what we'll do is you know we'll kind of show you guys what exactly i'm talking about with seeming the golf ball because it's a pretty interesting concept and it's really neat and, I, and i'm even interested to like because i grabbed a bridgestone because right off the bat i was like i wonder if that mfr i wonder if tiger woods has been doing this all these years and he just hasn't been telling us so i grabbed one of his balls it doesn't look like there's a seam on it and i'll be honest if i was tiger woods and i know just kind of the myth and the aura of tiger woods tiger woods ain't dealing with any kind of imperfections like seams tiger woods probably hasn't had a a seam on his golf ball for over like 30 years i guarantee you that you see a line so there's basically just a gap in the dimple pattern is all it is. What you can see is like where all the other dimples basically go and touch right up to each other. There's right on the TP5 line here and the, the project A line on the other golf ball. There's just you can see it's like it's just an extra little gap in between the dimples. So like I said, I'll really zoom in on this and, uh, and post a, uh, post a video for everyone, but I just figured that was some interesting golf knowledge for the people out there. I was reminded of it by a good buddy of mine. Um, and I had to, uh, had to just post it out there. Cause I was like, man, we did learn that back in 2015. And, um, and it just kind of popped back into the the conversation piece here lately. So a little fun fact about your golf, uh, your golf industry that you might not have known. Um, like I said, a lot of the golf golf ball companies now, obviously not made, but a lot of the golf ball companies are kind of proclaiming we're we're seamless. You know, this, that, and the other. Callaway just made a big move to it with their latest dry, uh, drop line of their golf balls and everything. So if they were before, they aren't now. Uh, but, yeah, little fun fact in there. If you want that extra little five yards carry on a par three and you don't want to club up, just seam your golf ball if you're playing made.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't see it. My eyes are bad, but I'm going to have to get a close up pick when you post that because
0: absolutely
1: still confused, but Sure. sure.
0: If you guys want to check out uh, the blog, we'll end up writing on that as well. You guys can go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Um, I'll throw basically all the uh, the information of what I've learned, kind of the aura of seeming your golf ball that's uh, been around the the professional ranks over the years, and uh, throw that into a blog post. So go check that out as well, guys. And uh, if you're not following us, go follow us on at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You guys can find both the posts there as well, where we'll just t- t- I'll try and get as close as I can to this seam and really give you guys a good understanding of what I'm talking about and uh, how it might help your game, how it might not make it sh- make a difference in the world, but uh, it's at least worth knowing and at least worth checking out. So uh, now I got, I got a wonder Dante when, when Harry Higgs made that albatross, do you think he was seaming his golf ball?
1: I don't think it matters the way he hits it.
0: So <laughs> Harry Higgs might be one of the most all time best watches For professional golf in years,
1: he's your uh, he's your new fan favorite after today. Um, I know a buddy of mine. We were texting back and forth. I was like, "Let's go, Harry Higgs. Let's go." And I don't know. He just seems he's like the we discussed it. He's the American version of Andrew John Andrew the Beef Johnson. He's the American version. One hundred percent. Just just a friendly guy. Just he's going to be a fan favorite once the fans are back. hopefully soon we get them back but probably in 2021 but the way he just brings out his character it's just like he's always it seems like after just learning about him and and watching him play he's just a joy to be around and he's just out there having fun and that's
0: what I mean it's all about the carefreeness in which he approaches the game is hilarious he never buttons his shirt more than like one or two buttons to begin with so he's always kind of just like He just looks like a hot mess out there to begin with. And then when he's just dumping albatrosses out of nowhere, his celebration was absolutely all all time. He's just out there just high-fiving, you know, begging for the crowd for more when he knows there's no crowd out there. Like, I mean, you talk about a guy who just kind of lives in the moment and lives in his own just aura of, of good vibes and good times. It's definitely got to be Harry Higgs. And you and I were talking too, which I kind of want to touch on, you know, he was playing with Harold Varner. He was playing with someone else who, who just looks like they're in the gym all the time. Harry Higgs might be doing some upper body workouts, but he's definitely not doing the bike. He's definitely not running. I don't think so. Like, you and I were talking about these kind of like contrasting, awesome contrasting differences we have at tour right now, where it's like you got these guys who are so gym rat heavy. You got the Rorys, you got the Brookses, you got the DJs that are just gym rats, right? Learned it from Tiger, grew up wanting to be Tiger, just got in the gym and were absolute maniacs. And then you have guys like, you know, the old days, like you got uh, John Daly, and you know, you got the new Harry Higgs, you've had Andrew Beef Johnson come through, you got these bigger guys that really just don't give a shit and just have really good swings and can work their golf ball. And that's all that matters. So it's really kind of, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see, you know, no offense to Harry Higgs, but it's refreshing to see not a, you know, a a male model out there contending for a PGA championship.
1: Yeah. I mean, it gives, it just, like you said, it just goes back to the fact that golf's all about kind of, being creative with the golf ball, like it's not, you know, power to those guys who are putting their and working their asses off in the gym. And these guys look like just absolute, just studs. And I'm not saying that Harry Higgs is no stud, but I mean, he's stud on the golf course, but like, you don't have like these, everybody's a GQ model. Right. So, (laughs) and it, but it's awesome to see with the sport of the game is you just have to throw a little bit of power in there, put on a good swing, make some great contact. And if you're creative in and up into the green and around you can get it done and you can win and i think that's what's so great about golf is that it's not a sport where if you're a specific height or a specific weight or a specific build it's that's the sport for you you know what i mean it it, there's certain sports out there you have to be like me i'm not going to be on the football field right like i'm just like way too small like i'll get my ass chewed out i mean there's some dudes that are just absolutely horses out there that would just destroy me like golf is open for anybody and if you can somehow get it done to score low and go low and you can win don't matter like what you look like what size you are what kind of work you're putting in and that's what's great about it
0: and god bless the comment section of social media because we all know that's where it really goes down um so many people were saying harry higgs you know america's america's golfer he looks like he's playing hungover 18 every time he's my guy he looks like me crushing beers out there like he does he just looks like the average american guy who's out there with the with the bros playing playing 18 and and getting drunk off white claw or truly's or whatever the hell we're drinking these days i don't know but he just looks like a guy who likes to party likes to have fun and ends up being just an absolute killer on the golf course
1: yeah, and it was awesome to kind of see him grinding out there to try and catch stewart sink but just kind of felt just felt just didn't have any holes left
0: yeah he and was, just he, kind he of he was bringing it together right at the end and you know let's talk about that real quick too stewart sink coming back and winning a pga tour event the man is, from what I feel, just older than dirt. Never ages though, because of that bald head up there. So you two got something in common. One for the baldies this week.
1: Yes, sir. And we both have. He's the famous. He's the infamous. Where he wore kind of not the. He wore like the snapback or the dad hat. I see that little open, mm-hmm. openness there. So he's got the little tan line there from the from the hat. It's not like a fitted hat where it's completely covered in the backside. Uh, I have that tan line, um, so. It takes a special
0: man to have that tan line. So uh, (laughs) shout out to Stuart Stout, shout out to Stuart Sink, and shout out to all the bald-headed men out there. One for you guys this week. Um, Moving on to the senior tour. We were talking about that before we hopped on to Dante. The most interesting man in the world took home a W this week, and uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez – Um, I I just, I can't figure out that guy. It's always like he's got a rat on his head at most times. Like he hasn't, he definitely hasn't showered in years. Um, there's something about his mystique where I'm just like, man, I can't figure him out, but he's been one of those guys who's an absolute baller forever. Him and Bernhardt Langer are going to dominate the senior tour until they're like 95 and in wheelchairs. Um, really cool to see him get another win this week. I feel like I haven't seen him, even though he's second in Charles Schwab points. I feel like I just haven't seen him in the winner's circle lately. So, uh, that was something refreshing for the, for the golf industry as well.
1: Yeah. He's Mr. Schwab. He's like, Mr. Cool. He's like, he's like the Dosecki's guy, but with like a cigar in his mouth. And it's just, <laughs> he goes, uh, it's, um, or the, the, what is it? Um, i shoot. It's on the tip to of my tongue. Men's warehouse guy. He's just, like, that cool, like, you know what I mean? And he's, like, mysterious.
0: Shout out Men's Warehouse missing probably <laughs> the sponsorship opportunity of a lifetime by not sponsoring Miguel Angel okay. Jimenez. Right. So that would fit that, all too well. But, uh, I mean, the man went just, out there, shot 65, just, 64, 66. I mean, just absolutely balling.
1: He's just smooth. He's just a smooth. He's just smooth. That's, that's all I got to say.
0: He was a guy, like, five years ago. Not even five years ago that like you could just count him into the top 10 of an open championship. Like he just plays that British open style golf so well. And I think going back to what you just said, so smooth, when you get a silky smooth swing like that, there's not much room for air. There's not, uh, and the experience goes back a long time too. And I think just the casual, cool, calm, and collectness that he always has, like you said, the Mr. Suave, that's just his ego. That's his mentality. And that's how he goes about a golf course and, that that goes miles when you're trying to compete especially at major championships yes sir so excited to see that man it's just it's cool that we have golf back and it's there every form is playing you know like when, when other sports came back it just seemed like all right well, well we'll play here but this this branch isn't playing when baseball came back single a and double a wasn't playing you know or like uh triple a wasn't playing and then you had basketball come back and then the D league wasn't playing, but the NBA was and vice versa. And it just seems like golf is one of those sports where it all came back. We're finally seeing the corn Ferry back in action as well. The Canadian tour looks like it's starting back up again here soon. So it just looks like golf in general is back at all levels, which is just exciting to see. I love seeing the senior tour guys. I love as we kind of, you know, age ourselves more legends are going to be on the senior tour. Um, but then just, you know, we had the AWNA, um, the, the women's championship go down as well. And that was a thriller. That was an absolute thriller this week, uh, with the ladies, which I want to get into, but just like, you know, just kind of a wrap up what I was saying. It's like, dude, golf, and you could, you could sit down all weekend long and watch golf and, and see new golf coverage, PGA tour, LPGA tour, senior championship. You can watch it all and the corn fairy. So like, there's just so much golf going on right now. It's, it's, it's good times.
1: Yeah, and then speaking of silky smooth swings, if you want to see some silky smooth swings, watch the LPGA. <sighs> every single one of those are just textbook perfect. It's insane. And they just hit it dead straight every single wrong. time.
0: You ain't wrong. It's I one mean, of those things, man. Three where...
1: three players going in at minus 15 for a three uh, three-person playoff.
0: I'll never forget the first – LPGA event I ever went and watched. It was a Lancaster Country Club up in Pennsylvania. Uh bought my parents both tickets. We all went up there. It was just kind of like a big family, you know, weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Uh watched Michelle We uh almost uh take it home. She ended up kind of blundering down the stretch, but it was one of those things where you just don't realize how good these women are too. And just like you said, the women's approach to the game is a little different than the men's, I feel like, where you're not just trying to – I mean, there's some long hitters out there, don't get me wrong, but they're not taking a lash at it like Brooks Kepke is. Like you said, they have some of the most impressively smoothest swings I've ever seen, men or women's side of the ball, and it mostly happens on the women's side.
1: And I've said this before, but the average male golfer can learn more from the LPGA player. Because their distances are closer to the LPGA mm-hmm. than their distances are trying to play like DJ out there. There's no yeah, shot 100%. you're hitting. You're, the girls are hitting it further than majority of the men out there. So I mean, learn for uh, if you want to get better at golf, watch them play because you'll learn a lot more than watching uh, DJ stuff a shot from like 130 with the 60 degree wedge.
0: I mean, it all goes down to course management, right? Like yeah. how, how much can we relate course management-wise? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it all boiled down to Nellie Corda, Brooke Henderson, and uh, kind of a no-name out here in the States, which we've really not heard of too much, but Miriam Lee. Uh, Nellie Corda, and Brooke Henderson, it was they were the talk of the town Saturday afternoon. It was going to be them coming down, just them, on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, um, Miriam Lee chips in for eagle and gets in uh, to five under par 67 early in the day on Sunday and back nine blunders Nellie quarter and Brooke Henderson kind of had, I felt like just played match play the whole way in and like just didn't like might have forgotten about the rest of the field and then all of a sudden you creep up and they're in a three-way playoff at the end of the day with Miram Lee uh, Miriam goes out and birdies the first hole and it's all she wrote so uh, you know Awesome competition. It was a three-way playoff. You don't get to see that too much in major championships. Um, So just coming down to the wire like that and getting to go into playoff golf uh, for the first women's championship of the year, it's pretty exciting to see. Yeah, and – Burke Henderson, she just pounds the ball. It's insane. For as little as she is, I think she's like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, she keeps it out there with some of the longer hitters on tour, like Lexi Thompson and just the, the big guns out there on the LPGA. So shout out to all of them. Shout out to Brooke. Shout out to uh, Nellie Corda, who I know is just an absolute uh, pure striker of the ball too. Um, her and her sister have been around the game for a long time. Um, but shout out to Miriam Lee taking it home. And I wanna I wanna give a a, sh- a big uh, I think shout out to her caddy as well, who might have had hands down the best belly flop by a caddy into the pond there at the ANA that I've seen in quite some time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that that's right. That's a tournament where the winner just jumps into the pond. They love that absolutely a, incredible such an um, awesome tradition her,
0: her her caddy i want to give a shout out to him matt Glysis. um he just i mean full-on committed to the belly flop hit nothing but penny first um on the on the water i mean it was just it was an awesome display of uh of caddymanship i guess you could say as his player just kind of sheepishly uh you know fell in he full-on committed to the belly flop which you got to appreciate from a caddy
1: yeah props to that Belly fl- belly flops, man, they uh, they sting.
0: Can so. we? Uh, can we, I mean, you just got to respect it. He's got that yeah. much pop in the legs after seventy-two holes of championship golf. You got to respect it, and uh, <laughs> it was something where it just it adds that uh, it adds that extra little icing on the cake of like things you'll never forget in your lifetime. When uh, when you look back and you say, "Well, you won this major championship," and you know most people jump in, but I belly flopped in.
1: I'll go down for a. Uh, I'll
0: go down in history for sure. Awesome, man. Well, that just about does it for this week for us, guys. If you go and just watch us on Instagram, watch us on YouTube, uh, enjoy the walk-off podcast on YouTube. We post every show to the YouTube page. so You guys can kind of put a face to the names, see who we're interviewing and uh, just check us out on there and, and maybe do some, uh, some further sharing on YouTube as well. You know we like to share that page as much as possible. So if you guys can go do that, click the share button, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on uh, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever you'd like to share. Us, feel free to share us uh tune in and subscribe guys and we are still doing a little free merch giveaway so if you guys can go like and subscribe rate and review us on itunes just uh screenshot it share it on instagram at enjoy the walk pod tag us and uh we'll, we'll send you over some free merch so that's it for Mrs. us this week guys as always go out there carry your clubs and enjoy the walk. Come